0: so many so many so many damn books hello hi and welcome to so many damn books i am christopher i'm drew and uh thanks so much for joining us we read this time an interesting book that we'll get to later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we are drinking the uh, the angry at the sun,
1: which uh in terms of its ingredients, something I never really understood, but it is delicious. Well, I'm mixing mean, a cocktail with with the beer.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's like a it's, thing. It's golden and red, so I kind of felt like it was looked like a sunset. Um, but yeah, you take take half a Miller High Life, uh, pour that into your glass, then put um, three quarters of an ounce of Campari and a squeeze of uh, a lemon, and you got yourself an angry at the sun. It's um, it's nice, right?
1: It is. It's really. It's uh. It's refreshing. It's a little bitter.
0: Yeah, I think that. Uh, I think that redeems. Uh, uh, Miller High Life? Miller High Life needs no redemption. Why don't we talk about... What'd you buy? What did you buy?
1: I like how we wait every time. do, you
0: buy?
1: I want to talk about, uh, one book that I've received for the show
0: oh that's a good idea
1: and then one book uh i didn't actually buy this i received it um this past weekend was saint george's day slash shakespeare's birthday slash Saint Jordi day i've read about uh, read about this in helena yemi's new short story collection what is not yours is not yours it's a holiday in spain where couples uh give each other roses and a book um, and so Danny gave me a copy of John Ray's The Lost Time Accidents. Oh, very exciting. I'm very excited to read. Yeah. Um, and then also I'm sitting here looking at the really beautiful cover of The Yoga of Max's Discontent by Karan Bahaj. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, we got this for the show. And, yeah. Uh,
0: it's very exciting. Yeah, it's a beautiful looking book.
1: Yeah, it's one of our one of our first uh, that we've really received for the show too.
0: Yeah, those both sound really good. Both those books. Yeah, I'm excited for both of them. Um. Yeah, I uh, I picked up uh, the Bob's Burgers cookbook. Yeah, I already made one of the burgers. I made the the sweet home avocado burger. Oh, all right. Which is just the lightest of buns. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's really fun, and uh, I'm gonna. uh, Since you mentioned a galley, I'm gonna mention uh, one that I received that I'm really, really excited about. Yeah, Um, Teddy Wayne's "Loner,"
1: which I didn't even know existed until like two weeks ago.
0: I know. Well, it comes out in October, so that's fine. Uh, Yeah, that's fair. Um, But it's it was so exciting to get this book. I'm a huge fan of his last two books. Yeah. Um, Love Song of Johnny Valentine and Capitoil, which Capitoil was was a tournament of books contender
1: yeah he's a tournament of books discovery yeah for us anyway not for the universe i guess
0: no he could be a mcsweeney's discovery he writes those unpopular proverbs for them oh yeah but yeah so exciting to get another book from him and it's a campus novel too so it's just like all the things that christopher likes teddy wayne and i we're on the same wavelength yeah
1: last book justin bieber this book, Campus Novel.
0: When I see you, you're crossing
1: across the campus. Past professors passing now beside us. How am I supposed to pretend? I never want to see you again.
0: The book we read for this week, uh, this really episode.
1: Pretty well-timed to current events Yeah. in a I,
0: weird way. Yeah, it's like we decided that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail by Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, and tell me... In your experience of reading this book, were a lot of people like, oh, I know that. Oh, I don't know that book. Like, I had a few people be like, oh, Hunter S. Thompson, Fear and Loathing. Oh, that's not the one I know. One.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was funny. There was an age divide, I think. I, um, at my office, uh, lots of, lots of, let's say, over 35s were like, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign
0: Trail. Nice. Um, but so this is this is about the campaign in 1972, basically everything leading up to Nixon versus McGovern. Yeah, um, starting in, I and, guess,
1: December of 71.
0: Right. And he's covering the Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he kind of starts off with Muskie. Yeah, then, well, I mean, everybody did. Yeah. And I think that this is sort of the funny thing about the book is... I barely know McGovern's name. I just know him from being a Nixon contender, mm-hmm. and then like the also-rans of that campaign. I'm just like, who are these people? Yeah, John Lindsay. It's like, ooh, yeah. Man. I uh, I did get that sort of feeling, um, sort of like coming into a television show on the seventh season huh. of like a long run, yeah. where you're just like, okay, okay. I'm I know I've heard some of these names before. <laughs> like, I've I've skimmed a couple review. Uh, articles. I kind of know who I know these Rachel cuz
1: of the hair, but which one's Ross? Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> and so who's the Ross of the <laughs> 72 <laughs> presidential campaign? I'd I'd say Muskie. Here's here's a quote um from the chapter later in March. Dull speeches for breakfast, duller speeches for lunch, then BS with gravy for dinner. How long, oh lord? How long? Where will it end? The only possible good that can come out of this wretched campaign is the ever-increasing likelihood that will it will cause the Democratic Party to self-destruct.
1: Yeah, well, it's... I'm it's, glad
0: that that's not a new feeling, actually. it's This book was as surprising as it was. It was also strangely comforting. Like, okay. So it's just kind of always like this.
1: Right. Well, it's funny. I So I have a degree in political science. Yes, you and do. And I spent a lot of time um, studying the American political system in school. And like 72 is the first, in some ways, it's like the last time that everybody said,
0: oh, it's the first modern campaign. And there was a lot of talk about uh, Pokor Noy, who is is sort of like the -the on-the-ground campaign manager for the McGovern. And he honestly, it sounds like he is the first person to kind of do the grassroots campaigning and He both, was what,
1: like thirty or something? No, he was
0: twenty-five. Oh man! And he had actually worked on someone else's campaign on, in '68. So that guy has been had been in campaign politics since he was twenty-one years old. That's crazy, isn't that wild? I, I I was sort of surprised at his age, and he had this sort of like goofy look to him. There was one of the great joys of this book is just the awesome pictures that are included, <laughs> including a lot um, from a young Annie Leibovitz.
1: Man, how I love remembering that she was just
0: a staff photographer for Rolling Stone, who, like, out there on the trail with Hunter, like, what stories does she have? So we should set this up a little... I mean, it's kind of obvious. It's it's Hunter S. Thompson covers a campaign, Um, and he covers it sort of warts and all. He explains at the beginning of the book that um, a lot of this was written after Deadline was passed. Yeah. Um, Drunk and high on crazy amounts of caffeine full
1: gonzo journalism
0: yeah and he keeps saying like i'm gonna go full Gonzo," and it's just like i'm gonna become batman (laughs) (laughs) time to do full gonzo journalism now as though it's like activating some superpower of his which i guess it is
1: yeah it's a pretty weird fucked up superpower but there you go
0: yeah good good job (laughs) um i i don't know i guess Here's my question to you. Here's my reading comprehension question. Yeah. Yo, what did you read? And where did you read it? Did you like the book? Would you ever it? Did the words sink
1: in? Do you have a question? Did you understand? What's your comprehension? Reading comprehension. Reading comprehension.
0: Do you like Hunter S. Thompson? <laughs> Do you like him after this? Is this... Oh, and this is... Before we get to there, is this your first Hunter S. Thompson? It's mine.
1: No, I read Fear and Loathing
0: in okay. Las Vegas. Okay. Um, and I... Uh, so you'd met Hunter before.
1: And one of my early engagements in politics was the 2004 election. And he his last piece for Rolling Stone um, was Fear and Loathing 2004. And he was on the trail with John Kerry. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that and being like, who's this crazy bastard? Yeah. Uh, and then I read Fear and Loathing in college, and then now this Fear and Loathing now. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. He's he's prickly and weird and crazy, and it's he. Um, this book is is not easy to read. I mean, it's not easy to read right now in sort of the very bleak climate
0: that we find ourselves in. I kind of. i want to quickly disagree with you for a second in that it is an easy read in the idea that it's like short quick sentences yes. it makes the pages turn very quickly for something that he never really explains totally what mcgovern's politics are or nixon's or anybody who's or humphreys or he, he just sort of he explains them and he just assumes as i'm sure any of the writing on this campaign does assumes that you know where he stands where all of these candidates stand so and so you can kind of get it by how he's covering them but it's it's interesting to kind of think that it is it 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 is dated it is oh
1: it's of its time it's not so much that it's well i mean i guess it's the same thing but that idea that like 20 years from now somebody might read the campaign journalism from this and be like i don't understand why is everybody just yelling about donald trump in, but like, because they're not here hearing the policy things, because at this point, there's such saturation right. that certain journalists like Hunter-esque journalists can assume, oh, you've heard the policy from somewhere else. Let's give you the, the nitty gritty or my twist on the thing.
0: It was an early scene in this book that made me, and I'm going to, uh, I don't like Hunter. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think he paints himself as likable. You know, he's always annoying, that's interesting i don't I don't
1: know that he intends to come off as likable to no. anybody in real life or in print
0: right no I don't think he I think he truly and utterly does not give a damn what anyone thinks i I don't dislike the way that it's written and I think that's a lot because I am as as you're sort of saying like inundated in it. You know, this is the journalism that prevails now, and it's it's more of the rule than mm-hmm. than whatever was before.
1: Or even, I mean, if you're not going uh, full gonzo or whatever, a lot of the stories that you read anymore, the, the journalistic voice is present in yes. a way that I don't think it really was prior to the late 60s, let's say. Okay. Whether or not Hunter was first
0: is debatable. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess my dislike of him... Is is about more about his detachment or mm. from from the preceding. Like he he holds himself like apart from it and a little above. Like he's not a pig getting messy in the slop like everyone else. He's above right. it. And if he does get a little messy, it's because he deigned to, you know. I think there's
1: something interesting too about by the end of the book how he has sort of like had like just an utter mental breakdown, whether or not it's real. There were moments, there were moments that I found very interesting in this book where I was like, is this like, what is the line of he's like, as the editor comes in and is dialoguing with him. And it's like,
0: is it an editor? Is this just a tool that he's using to write this thing? All the time. All the time. And I actually, I was sort of obliquely referencing this before. It was that first scene where he ends up like talking to the two guys who are broken down by the side of the road. Oh, yeah. And ends up like doing drugs with them and hanging out for a bit, where I was just like, yeah, of course this happens to you. You're Hunter S. Thompson, but m- maybe, maybe you made this up. Maybe this happened to you because you wrote it.
1: There was, I read, um, as I was like tooling around the internet, looking up other little stories about Hunter after reading this and re immersing myself in some of your buddy Hunter. Yeah. There were things like there's a story in fear and loathing where he talks about being in San Francisco, like, and there's this, this famous line about like seeing the wave roll back of the counterculture movement. And he tells this story about like some guy licking, um, LSD off of somebody's sleeve. And this guy was like, yeah, it was me. And like, we were there together. And like the thing that he leaves out of the story is this whole other angle on the night. That's like really weird and dark and ends with Hunter, like firing a rifle out of a hotel window. Just like weird, See, crazy stuff.
0: That's exactly the thing. The, the, the fact that it's just like, there's some weird, like there's something that has to happen like that in, in, in every episode, you know? Sure. Um, there's something of that like he's gonna you know mess up his whole time i don't know there's some rock star vibe to him
1: well i think there's something interesting about the difference between this book and game change which was the book about the 2008 election okay it was um john heilman and i forget who else wrote it with him but it it was their attempt to, to talk about being on the campaign pa- campaign trail on both sides, actually, and then following Obama through the nomination into uh, the general election, and following McCain, and it like they turned it into an HBO miniseries and everything. Right, I remember that. But like that, it's so they are so pleased to be on the inside in a way that, that feels directly the reverse of this, where Hunter's like, God, I hate this. I hate that I'm here. Yeah, he
0: hates, he hates the other press a lot. And But it's so funny, though, because at the very, very end, I'm going to uh, quote it again, because no one talks about Hunter better than himself. Uh, <laughs> um, where he says, uh, there's a sort of weird, junky, addictive quality about covering a presidential campaign. You could see it in almost everybody in the press corps. And I'm going to cut down to there's an excitement and a pace to the presidential campaign that definitely keeps you wired it's a grueling trip but that insane kind of zipping from place to place i cross over my own house in colorado three times it's frantic kind of chasing after the golden fleece and probably a lot more fun if you don't win or if you have no real stake in it yeah it's one of the best assignments i can think of yeah so it's so funny because like he he seems to have, like, actually not just a mental breakdown, but a physical... Like, he, he gets really sick at one point. Yes. And it's also sort of at what feels like the wildest point in 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 the primary. Yeah. But as soon as that started happening, I'm just, and then he explains, like, oh, yeah, and I was sick for 16 days in there. Like, holed up in a hotel room, and they had to bring a physician to the hotel. Yeah uh it made me think like maybe this wasn't as insane as he thought it was as he made it out yeah because he was literally in fever dreams or something
1: yeah well i think there is but i think
0: he asks that of his reader
1: right and i think there is something to like one of one of the deeper things about this you can look at it and you can talk about all of the politics and the way that it all played out and the fact that Bafflingly, so much of the country voted against their own best interests by reelecting Richard Nixon, um, but there's also he goes deeper into the idea of like this is not, this is this runs against human nature how we do this whole thing, it like it elevates this animalistic instinct in all of us like how the zoo plane, mm-hmm. the the press plane on the McGovern campaign, um, descends into just like utter. Anarchy by the end yeah. of the campaign,
0: but there are, there are long stre- stretches of him just covering the election where I, I found myself sort of losing interest because I guess in the way of of like watching a serial television show and knowing how how it comes out. Yeah, well, yeah, and
1: I don't think anybody will ever be as unedited in the way that like this book feels. Like if you handed it to a modern editor, they would be like, "Cool, this is rep, this is uh, repetitive. We can trim this out. We can cut this down." Like,
0: yeah, I think he thinks once a month about like, "Oh Lord, how long is the campaign?" <laughs> <laughs> um, it it would be funny to sit down with Hunter S. Thompson now and point that out and be like, "And you wanted to do this again? Yeah, you said yes again." Yeah, and
1: he kept. I mean, it's that thing where he talks about being a politics junkie. I really. More than anything, I miss
0: his voice now. Yeah, I feel like politics is this sort of strange, sort of high drama, um, but it's high drama of day to day people's lives. Yeah.
1: So yeah, the things that are being highly dramatized like have deep, lasting impacts for everybody. Yeah. Do you read? Um, do you read other? political nonfiction at all i know we've talked a little bit about nonfiction on this show with essays but more broadly cultural
0: no um i'm actually surprised at myself how interested i am in this current race huh because i really don't take a lot of interest in politics as it's happening um i you know i i own american wife by curtis sittenfeld and I assume I will read more, actually, political novels. Mm, mm-hmm. um, but I don't read a lot of political nonfiction. Um, I assume you do, being a poli side person.
1: I do. I, uh, I try to read a little bit every year, whether it's just one or two books. So it's often by pundits or recommended by pundits who I know and who I trust. So it certainly reinforces an ideological bend.
0: Yeah, and I felt like... I think the text can be sort of a key text and you can choose your own adventure through it and end up following because he references some things like that's the thing to read on that on the 68 election. Oh yeah. And, and it does make me think like, Oh, that you could follow that. And then that book would lead to another. And then you'd see it on a list with like seven other books. And you're like, Oh, I like those two. I mean, this is like, this could be the start of something.
1: I think that the, um, that reminds me of the very beginning of Taibbi's introduction where he says that I doubt any book means more to a single professional sect than this book does to American political journalists and just as likely as you're uh, to find a dog-eared paperback copy of Evelyn Wiles' scoop somewhere in the back of every foreign correspondence pocket um, you can still spot the familiar red it was red back then cover of Fear and Loathing 72 poking out of the duffel bags of reporters sent to follow and he lists everybody who was running in 2012
0: I don't know, did you like it?
1: I um I did. I enjoyed myself and I found it to be a rewarding read, but I also it just I found it um oppressive at times. This is what I was saying earlier in terms of it being tough to get through is that just you think about how dark he felt. And I do think that that while some of it is exaggerated, I do think that he was um capturing a zeitgeisty thing for the left at that time very true but i think and i would argue honestly on both sides of the aisle today that 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 sense of
0: oppression of like god these are the people who we're stuck with like this is the future of our country yeah there i mean i feel like you could almost do like a especially when the primaries start um you could almost just do a find and replace for the names and it would sound pretty right totally man oh man oh man
1: yeah well hunter
0: what a ride uh, thank you
1: this uh what's this called what's this drink called
0: this is uh raging at the sun yeah
1: well here's to you hunter so uh shall we shall we recommend something to take your mind off of
0: politics sure but i'm gonna recommend something that's just weirdly is all consuming me um it's a recommendation that you gave me Drew as well as oh, yeah. other people. Um but The Spellman Files by hey, Lisa Lutz. Oh my god. They're so fucking good. It's so much fun and I'm actually listening to the audiobook and they've got the perfect narrator for it. Cool. And uh I mean it's it's a, a book about a family of private investigators and uh the the youngest daughter of the family gets uh kidnapped yeah and so they're they're trying to discover who did it and it's just like but like a lot of it is just meeting this family and uh and how it's all weighted out and everything and i'm just like i'm just in love like i just want to listen to it all the time
1: i have a question and you can decide whether or not to edit this out how do they handle the footnotes
0: and she reads it she says footnote
1: oh very cool yeah it's one of those it's like in the terry pratchett style of heavily it's hilariously footnoted
0: i, I wouldn't say it's heavily though it's 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 pretty oh, yeah, i mean
1: it's not like david foster wallace heavy
0: yeah. it's really fun though um i highly recommend listening to it if you get the chance
1: yeah there's six of them too yeah i've heard F- that for now anyway
0: Hmm. um i don't know how it's not a television show nice what do you recommend um a graphic novel
1: series uh, by Warren Ellis, who, uh, among other things, wrote the novel Gun Machine, and he's uh, well-regarded. He's writing a James Bond comic right now. Comic? Yeah. Weird. Um, But he wrote a series many moons ago called Transmetropolitan. Mm -hmm. Uh, The main character, Spider Jerusalem, is, (laughs) is a direct descendant of... Not literally, but like it, he is a Hunter S. Thompson for this sort of um, horrible, like post Blade Runner sci fi future. Mm-hmm. Um, and he comes down out of the mountains where he's been like self imposed exile because he hates everything and picks up his journalism beat again. And he's reporting, there's a huge election subplot with the presidential election and everything, but there's also, he's just reporting on the city and on people and sort of doing like he's a more focused but just as vitriolic hunter
0: s thompson huh um and it's so that's an interesting comic yeah but no real life election like it's not using any real no it's set it's
1: thrown way in the future so there's all sorts of like transhumanism going on and new york city has sort of become like a megalopolis that stretches from like boston to dc sort of thing huh um
0: sounds really interesting
1: yeah it's uh it's wild and in the same way that you know it was written i want to say the late 90s um into the early aughts in the same way that this was written you know
0: almost 50 years ago but you see the same themes constantly recurring i mean it's not crazy to have the same themes constantly recurring because there's there's the things that people care about i was trying to come up with like a and every four years
1: jonathan franzen publishes a novel kind of
0: like you want to pull together but i couldn't there's ah, nothing like there's that. nothing there Nah, that's okay
1: <sighs> well
0: next week next yeah, time yeah next time next time on so many damn books um but you know before we go please rate us rate on, us email uh, us like us Yeah, so many damn books at gmail.com, so many damn books on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We love to hear from you, and we really, really, really like uh, reviews, so it's the best way to help us out. God, he hates... Richard Nixon. Oh, he truly hates Nixon. And I, but I think that was also a pretty prevailing sure. I, Although he, also
1: one of the one of the best scenes in this book is him sitting in the back of a car with Nixon talking about football and being like what is going to happen? It's like yeah. me and Nixon. Nixon knows I do not like him. Yeah. And they just talked about football for an hour.